After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Everybody, it's Mind Rolling Podcast. I'm Raghu Marcus with David Silver, and uh, good evening, good afternoon. I don't even know what time it is, but uh, nice to see you again, Dave. Uh, yes, you too. Um, so uh, that doesn't sound so sincere, though. I, no, no, no. It is. It, it is. is. Okay. I'm just in a low I'm, key kind of. You are. <laughs> I'm ultra sensitive today. So. Oh, okay. Um, it was great. It's so great to see you on that Skype thing. Oh, thank I you. I mean, I love it. Mm. Is that better? Yeah. Thank okay. you. Um, so you you were telling me actually offline uh, about this great event you went to. I want to hear all about it. I told you don't tell me anymore because I think everybody would be thrilled uh, to, to hear it. I mean, you have to be in the New York area to go to the event, but uh, many people are there and many people come to New York. So talk about it. Okay. I went to an exhibit at a place called the Neue Gallery. I don't speak German, so I don't know whether it's the new gallery, but it's spelled N-E-U-E, -E, uh, which is on 86th and 5th. Yes. And the exhibit is called Degenerate Art. The Attack on Modern Art in Nazi Germany, 1937. And what it's about is a, a, a very peculiar and um, wicked thing that the Nazis did amongst obviously many others, whereby they said that modern art was degenerate. And it's not a coincidence that a lot of the people making modern art in Germany and Switzerland in the 30s were uh, Jewish, but not all. Uh, they just didn't want it around. They said that it was similar to schizophrenic art and was the art of mad and mentally disturbed people. And as you know, the Nazis attacked uh, the mentally challenged as much as anyone else, as much as the Jewish people, Catholics, and homosexual people. And so what they did was they kind of waited a little bit, and then they made this exhibit in, I guess, Berlin, which showed, on the one hand, degenerate art, which was modern art by such as Paul Klee and Klimt and all kinds of amazing artists. And it was shown in this tiny little, rather dirty, scummy gallery, just to show that it was dirty, scummy art. And then at the same time, they put up an exhibit of Aryan art, Nazi stylized art, which was in a beautiful, you know, palace-like gallery. And then they asked people to go to both of them to see what the, you know, the, the schizophrenic Jewish people were making and what the Aryan super race were making. And... It's just so interesting, and it's not just morbid or, 
or, you know, more Holocaust stuff that's going to make you feel horrible. No, uh, because, first of all, the Austrian and German governments since the war have been done their best, in particular in the last 20 years, to return the confiscated art. Because what they did was they confiscated it and they sold it. How cynical can you get? And then, you know, oppressed the artist, if not murdered them. Uh, they, they made it impossible for them to show these pictures in galleries. Uh, no one was allowed to. And it's interesting because what it is is the opposition of free, often quite spiritually informed paintings and sculptures uh, against the you know, awful fascist um, propaganda art, which came out of the, um, out of the, out of the German chancellery. I recommend if anybody's in New York until September uh, 1st of this year, September 1st, 2014, uh, to go to the Neue Gallery and look at the generate art, the attack on modern art in Nazi Germany. And you will enjoy it. You won't come out of it going, wringing your hands and going, oh God, oh my, what a horrible race the human race is. With all the atrocity and horror of it, what you'll see is the triumph of these paintings coming back and some of the artists fighting to get them shown. Uh, in Switzerland and other places, and it's very inspiring, and the art is absolutely amazing. Most really. of these artists are, are gone at this point. Yeah, they're all yeah, gone. They're all gone. Yeah. Um, so, and there's been uh, there was this uh, you know Hollywood movie around uh, recovering uh, looted Nazi art uh, with George Clooney recently. I can't remember the name of it. It was called Monuments Man. And oh yeah. Much ninety nine percent of all the people who've seen it said it was just horrible. <laughs> And um, had nothing whatsoever to do with what was really going on there. And what was most insulting about that film was that some of the people who were there are apparently still alive and were amazing people. And they were shown as kind of sort of comic characters or something in the film. It's just really distorted and strange. Mm -hmm. about hmm. I haven't seen it and won't see it until I'm at my wits end on Netflix in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because... Clooney seems to be a substantial guy. You know, he does a lot of oh, yeah. good works in the world. You know, these people make these movies, and I guess they get lost at some point in it. Uh, you know, they read the script, whatever, but, uh, I, you know, the reality doesn't ring until after they've done it or something. Who knows? They make a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about this subject. The Bauhaus, by the way, were part of this uh, repression. Mm. Hitler really got on those guys. And the furniture even, but some of the Bauhaus furniture and all the stuff that people used that was thrown away is in the museum gallery exhibit also. So oh, it's really? chairs and tables and cabinets as well as these these astonishing paintings. Mm -hmm. I, I found it very inspiring. I really did. I, I, and I'm I'm not a big gallery goer. You know? No. Not really. Are you? I mean, really? no. Ex uh, no, I'm not. Uh, except for. Uh, like going to, you know, of course, being in Paris and going to the Louvre, that's some, you know, something everybody should do. Yeah. Um, and appreciating some of the masters. But no, I'm not. I'm not a big Gallagher. But I would go to this because of its uh, cultural impact and uh, how it, uh, you know, it's relevant to us in terms of what happened in the last century and what continues to happen all around the world um, with uh, genocide. Uh, isn't it amazing? I mean, this is, you know, I got this book, by the way. I don't remember the name of it right now. I haven't read the whole thing, but the, the premise on it was if you think there's a lot of violence these days, you know, in our modern times, you know, last century into this century, 
think again. We are way more peaceful than, uh, you know, than, than history, than, than going back in history. We are way more peaceful. I mean, the unconscious genocide that was going on in, you know, in, in ancient times, in, you know, into the Middle Ages and so on and so forth, is, uh, is, is a paltry compared to even what happened in the middle of the last century. So uh, the fact, though, that it just continues to take place in Africa and, you know, uh, where we yeah. hear a lot of it, it's unbelievable, not to mention even in Eastern Europe it's going on now. Right, and it seems terrible, but you know the fact is we have mass media now. We've had it. We didn't really have mass media in World War II, and can you imagine what went on previous to 1939 and the First World War, and then in the Armenian exterminations, and then way back into tribal wars forever? There were no, you know, there was no CNN checking it out. So at least we have that as inadequate as it seems to be. Now, unfortunately, it seems worse because we're getting it every day. But can yeah. you imagine having the internet? In 1940, when the concentration camps were, you know, going strong and the Japanese were torturing yeah. uh, American soldiers and so on and so forth. Uh, and we were torturing been, Japanese uh, soldiers and inter interring. Well, we didn't torture in the internment camps. No, no, but we were putting them in those camps in, in America. Yeah. So I, not, you know, just that this is, it's not all... Um, one-sided, obviously. Um, what happened then was uh, pretty much uh, that, you know, the United States came in and along with Britain saved the day, really. Um, yeah. This is getting morose, isn't it? Well, Jeez. you know, what the, the, I, the question always to ask is, what do you do with this stuff? I mean, that's what seems to be all the amazing men and women we've interviewed, Raghu, you know, including Joseph Goldstein and Sharon and so on, it, it, a lot of their uh, skills come down to helping our skill set of how, how to deal with these grotesque sufferings uh, that we witness. And, you know, some people really get down. I mean, they just can't deal with it. And it's like, I, can't, I hate this world. Mm. It's too awful. And, you know, it's it's very we're very you know kind of blessed in a way to be in contact i don't mean you and me personally i mean anybody who's listening who's into this uh with techniques and people who teach us techniques of how to not be ground to the the dirt by your own neuroses but then by observations of the, you know of the of the state of the planet yeah. um i mean do you think for instance this is a question for you mm -hmm. do you think it's better to know what's going on or because of our relative impotence about what's going on, to just, you know, not know. I mean, just I'm, I know people who don't know jack about what's going on in the world, and they don't see, you know, they're not callous people or anything, but they don't watch the news and they don't read about all these things. But you could say, well, that's why they happen, you know. Well, even His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, listens or watches the BB. I think he just listens now. I think he stopped watching it, the BBC News, to so he's kept up to date in what is going on in, around the world. You know, there's a certain point at which it really becomes um, indulgent, you know? Like we indulge in bad news, like those idiots at CNN going on and on, finding that plane that went down, uh, you know, and, and focusing 
you know, newscast after newscast. I mean, that's the height of indulgence uh, by uh, Western media. And, and that leads us, many, many people, many of us, to spend way too much time indulging on that and indulging on it through social media as well. There, you know, there's a way that it's self-fulfilling prophecy, too. You know, the more it's all it's all energy and it's all vibrations. And the more that we feed these things, the more that they get fed. And um, not to say, of course, you know, when we we talk about, um, you know, just like the, the stuff that's going on with uh, in Ukraine, for instance, you know, where. You know, you have people, you know, Russians in Ukraine, and, and, and at this point, you know, they want to separate, and then it gives the opportunity for Russia and Putin to go in there and take over, you know, that part of the Ukraine, which I believe has the, re- the natural resources. Am I right about that? I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think so, so too. And well, it has, it has open ports on the uh-huh. sea, so it means that they can export and import energy. Right. You know, Fossil fuel, great, you know, right. but but you know, Ukraine is a hugely agricultural. It's it's a breadbasket like the Middle West used to be here, and the resources of actual food are are not in proportion to the population. They they have a fantastic amount of of, of farms there that they've retained, and battles before between the Nazis, for instance, and, and you know, communists were largely about food, and now they're about food and energy. But there's also that nationalism thing, which, you know, always makes me wonder what kind of primitive stage is the human race at that they think that just because they speak Russian, that Russia is great and, you know, um, you know, Argentina isn't as great. Well, it ain't much but, uh, different here. Come on. I mean, you know, there's a segment of of, uh, of this population that is exactly the same, exactly the same yeah, well, in terms they of nationalistic think- fervor. Sorry. They would mean a lot of them would maintain. Well, we're like that because we want to retain a certain quality in America, which you usually speak of in terms of liberty and guns, uh, that doesn't exist if you look carefully in other parts of the world. And therefore, we're going to be strident about this because we believe purely in America, and that's nationalism. But um, it's hard to get through to those people because they'll say, "Well, if you're not for us, you're really against us." You know, we've got to maintain American values. What does that mean? Well, it means purely in the early stages, it meant freedom, except for Native Americans and African Americans, in which case it meant absolute bondage. <laughs> so, you know, I can't argue with these people anymore. I'm done with it. You know, they can, you know, unconditional love. Um, we're going to get thrown out, by the way, because we, we're commenting, you're British and I'm Canadian, and we're, yeah. we're commenting on, you know, uh, on, on the state of... Uh, the USA. So, boy, we well, you know, if the careful. NSA is down to listening to Dave and Rod, <laughs> you know, I'm not worried. <laughs> then, then it's you know, well, suddenly we won't be on the air anymore, uh, right? And then people will go, "What happened?" And then you know, it won't even. It'll be wiped out, even wiped out off of the face of the earth that this podcast ever existed. All right, I think uh, we've yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a weird day. Good luck. Jesus. All right. Well, listen, I we found we always look for anecdote an, an, anecdotes anecdotes we have antidotes to our suffering. And um 
so we we have one we want to share, and it's about uh, it's called rewiring your emotions, and and this is all around. You know, there's so much going on, of course, about mindfulness. Mindfulness is like McDonald's burgers now. You know, everybody's <laughs> got a burger to promote around mindfulness, right? Um, and and also the other one is you know neuroscience, which His Holiness Adult. We've talked about this before. How involved he is and doing experiments with monks and, and meditators and so on to prove out, uh, you know, the, the realities that have been found through uh, P- Tibetan Buddhism uh, over the centuries. Um, so in this, this particular article, so it's, it, think you're destined to respond the same way emotionally to the same old triggers. I mean, that, that to, you know, that is something that is really a day-to-day thing with everybody. And if there was an antidote to that, boy, I think we all need it because we respond to uh, emotionally to triggers all day long, every day. Unless you're Dave and you're, you spend most of your time alone in a cave. Which, but even you get triggered because you and I talk and I trigger you. And uh, you don't trigger me, though, Dave. Well... I I'm, try not to. Yeah. By the um, way, this article is, we should say this because, you know, it's by Sharon Begley. That's B E G L E Y. Where was it, Roger? You sent me this. In, in Mindful, uh, um, it's a magazine called Mindful. And it's online. Oh. You can get it online. It's a fabulous uh, magazine. So just go online and look up Mindful. Um, but, um, but, but be mindful of the fact that Amazon exists. And oh, we, right. We are trying to exist via our Amazon portal. I'm, that's all I'm saying. That's it. Are yeah, you, less he, is but, more. The last time I ranted about it, and no uh, more is more. Okay, but please because try and find these I'll things. Yes. <laughs> the reality. Go to Amazon. Don't go anywhere else. I hate this because that's really wrong to say that. You should go to your local bookstore people. Oh, forget but, that. That's hippie stuff. All the local bookstores. Yeah, I love them too. I actually love going there and looking and having a coffee and everything. It's a hard case, this dude. But. But the well, you know, you you whined and complained last time, and and we got you know people paid attention. I mean, we got more mail. We got we got some donations. People bought a lot of T-shirts. By the way, we've got more T-shirts coming in, everybody. And <laughs> but I'm sorry, and, I interrupted. You were on a roll here. I just wanted to get her name across. I didn't want to get into it. Right I know you just turned me because I want to. You know, I want to continue that conversation about bookmarking Amazon. I, I mean, there's people, my nephew, Jai, he tells me, oh, you mean you, oh, if I go and I bookmark it, and then when I want to buy something on, I say, Jai, do you buy everything on Amazon? I buy everything, he says, on Amazon. So I said, well, just go there and bookmark it. You just got to remember to bookmark it, because then every time you go, oh, I'm going to buy something on Amazon, then you just have to press that button in your bookmark bar tab. Okay, it's so, Certainly for the United States. In Europe, it's a little different. You well, have to he, go through a little dance for there but you can do it too but in the united states you can really well you were going to put up how to do it if you because one of our listeners figured it out well i don't know but uh, my friend in in cambridge in england knows how because he told us so we're going to connect him can we send everybody over to him who lives in europe and asia yeah okay yeah see if he'll do it uh it's important to us though i mean really uh, by the way uh sharon begley we are getting to rewiring your emotions soon but our emotions are fraught 
So in order to <laughs> rewire them, there's, you know, Mindful Magazine, great, Joseph Goldstein, great, money. <laughs> Spend money on Amazon products. But I tell you, just go and get, you know, four Pema Chodron books. Just do that. Or get, or get what, what? An Iron Maiden seed. Iron Maiden? Are you I don't know crazy? why that came out of my head. I never heard, I never listened to the them original once. metal horror. Um, <laughs> and we have something Chris, later. Chris also likes them. Who? Oh, Chris. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah. Later in the show, we have uh, we're going to present uh, a piece of uh, music and and a kind of poetry. Uh, by somebody who's just amazing, and you'll be able to get that on Amazon. So, okay, no more about that. Help right, us so out, So go back please. to uh, rewiring our yeah. emotions. Yeah. Um, so can you believe that with a little bit of mind training, you you can you sort of chart new pathways in your brain cell, you know? Uh, do you believe that's possible? Do you? Well, I read a lot about it last week, this neuroplasticity thing, that once you train shapes in your brain and... And the whole deal, the whole neural force to go in certain directions, it remembers it and changes the actual physical structure on a micro level of, of, of the brain. And therefore, makes it more of a natural urge to do the right thing rather than the absolutely wrong thing. So, okay, I'm not going to shoot heroin anymore. I'm going to help people who are hungry. Okay, that's a little extreme, but, uh, you know. I, I'm I... not shooting heroin, by the way, just to get everybody Please. Um, I do want to, I think there's a nice little explanation or, um, of uh, neuroplasticity. Well, you okay. asked me, and I tried. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what neuroplasticity is. It's the ability of the adult brain to change its structure or function in an enduring way. That concept alone is, to me, uh, mind-blowing. Because, I mean, I see myself on a day-to-day -day basis you know, reacting to the same old stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, listen, as much practice as, you know, I've done, it's not like I've lived in a cave for the last 40-odd years or whatever, but I've certainly been exposed to a lot of incredible stuff, and I certainly have practice, and I still see that um, there's just this knee-jerk reaction to stuff, people, especially people I'm in relationship to. And uh, not just people, but any kind of phenomenon. Like the computer doesn't suddenly is doing something stupid and not doing what I want it to do. I mean, I have a knee-jerk reaction. So the idea that, that there can be uh, changes. So the promise of tapping neuroplasticity to relieve suffering is genuine. I really want to believe this, Dave. I mean, this is just, you know... Um, Perhaps as far as, uh, as an emotional reset, harnessing neuroplasticity to change how you respond emotionally to the ups and downs uh, of life. Um, it, it's, uh, so, so they're talking about a kind of therapy that identifies the brain activity underlying an emotional trait you wish to change, such as a tendency to dwell in anger. I threw up my hands there when I read that, Dave, and went, I, me, please, okay? That's my main issue. And then targets this brain activity with mental exercises designed to alter it. The result is a healthier, healthier emotional style. And that's by, from Richie Davidson. And Richie is uh, one of the foremost proponents and 
scientists working on uh, neur- in, in the neuroscience area and on neuroplasticity. Uh, and some of our f- mutual friends have worked with them, uh, particularly um, um, Danny Goldman, for instance. And th- by the way, uh, if you want to see something great, uh, go to ramdas.org. Uh, Ramdas did a wonderful webcast with Danny Goldman. Danny is the author of uh, the best-selling Emotional Intelligence and just wrote a book called Focus, and we're going to get Danny on the show one of these days. Uh, it's just a, 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 a wonderful thing where they, they talk about the, both their intersecting uh, lives at Harvard Univers- University. So uh, just a, that's just a little side thing. So um, there's hope here. Uh, and now, do you want to talk a little bit about the actual methodology, David, about uh, how we do retrain um, these uh, patterns? Well, uh, you know, I mean, he says mindfulness meditation mm. is the way to is do it. And, I mean, and Joseph Goldstein, in, in uh, his book, Mindfulness, a practical guy, he talks about the intention or the source motivation, and that that is what changes the response and reactivity. So that, in other words, if you're training the mind to just relax and chill and not react in whatever way works, I find that in meditation and in yoga, by the way, uh, that's when you notice it the most because the rest of the time you're distracted and you might have a bad thought about something, but you're doing something, you're doing whatever. But when you're actually meditating, the, you know, the biggest, um, uh, you know, sort of meme or, or, or illusion about meditation is that it puts you in bliss. And, well, it might <laughs> occasionally, but what it does for most people, including me, is, it, you know, I'm constantly now aware of these, of these uh, alien forces coming in, thoughts saying, I'm really jealous of that person. I'm really jealous of that. I wish I really wish she hadn't made all that money. <laughs> what? I'm in the middle of a meditation. The next thought might be about, you know, Maharaj and Imkaroli. I mean, what? And then 17 seconds later, uh, you know, I don't know how many times I have to call that person so that he'll pay that bill to me. He oh ridiculous nonsense that comes in. Meditation causes you to notice it most heavily. And either it drives you crazy and you say, I'll give up meditation and I'm now just going to, you know, eat a lot of lentil soup or something. No, <laughs> uh, you know, the mental, the, 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 the practices make these things vivid. They make them jump out at you. And I think what he's saying in this article is that once you get into the idea of going, oh, look, there's a little silly thought I had. Oh, look, there's another angry pattern coming up. Oh, look, I just spent the last two minutes of a 20-minute meditation thinking about something that happened 17 years ago mm-hmm. in a restaurant on the Upper West Side between me and a guy from an agency. And, you know, and, and you retroactively, you think of this stuff and you go, oh, I just did that. You don't blame yourself, you don't judge yourself, you just notice it. So then that neuroplasticity starts taking place because the brain is like a slave, really. I mean, it's a brilliant slave, but it says, okay, Dave is beginning to not get captivated by those thoughts from those years ago. And I think that's when the actual physical, if we can use that word, changes go on and make you more aware of other people's suffering rather than your own. And that's the big fulcrum, really, is stopping being completely obsessed with everything that's ever happened to you and taking notice of someone in your family who's in distress and needs help. Yeah, well, that 
day to day I me mine thing is 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 just the devastating thing. You know, yeah. when you realize it, you know, the self-interest that goes on every day. So it, it, she says here, think of trying to simply will yourself to be happy with the brute force of a survivalist. I'm going to be happy. Not so easily done. I don't know about you, but if I'm feeling miserable and someone tells me to just cheer up on the spot, I want to slug them. <laughs> That's, you know, anybody who's ever given you advice when you're feeling down. Fortunately, the brain's emotional this is this is really interesting. The brain's emotional circuits are actually connected to its thinking circuits, which are more accessible to our conscious volition. That is a an amazing and important thing. That's something I had no idea about. Uh, that's been one of uh, Davidson's more important, most important discoveries. The cognitive brain is also the emotional brain. As a result, activity in certain cognitive regions sends signals to the emotion-generating region. So you just can't, while you cannot order yourself to have a particular feeling, you can sort of sneak up on your emotions via your thoughts. Okay, that's a... That's a great thing for us. I mean, to contemplate, um, yeah. be, because it's you know it's the 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 knee jerk thing is the emotions. I mean, you know, and for me it's that anger. I mean, it just the computer goes off. You know, I want to send my fist through the you know keyboard. Um, so, uh, but I think that in terms of um, what exactly are we doing in that moment? And I think it's too broad to talk about meditation. When we talk about mindfulness meditation, I think here's a probably a great uh, definition. Um, so you observe your thoughts and feelings with the objectivity of a disinterested, non-judgment, non-judgmental witness. Okay. You observe your thoughts and feelings with the objectivity of a disinterested, non-judgmental witness. This form of mental training gives you the wherewithal to pause, observe how easily the mind can exaggerate the severity of a setback. Note that it, note it as an interesting mental process and resist getting drawn into the abyss. I think that is probably the key, and that's uh, one of the most helpful little uh, pointers here around uh, mindfulness, you know, mindful meditation, mindfulness, and awareness. And of course, this is something that I heard and that you heard when we first heard Ramdas in the late '60s. Witness, he brought. So I mean, he was onto this. Way, 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 way back when, and he was onto it, and it, and and in fact, I remember. Oh God, there's some way I can get a grip on just this outlandish reacting to every little shitty thing that was going on in my life, you know. So, uh, of course, you you mentioned Joseph Goldstein, and and that book has so much, so many tools dealing with this, you know, but this is probably, and, and Joseph talks about this, but this is probably the most elemental um, tool 
and and when I hear things like you know that the emotional and thinking you know parts are are, are come from the same place, so that you actually can use you can leverage on your emotions through your thoughts. Right. That, that's that's a really great thing. Um, and if they found that people who are resilient, able to regain their emotional balance after a setback, rather than wallowing in anxiety, anger, depression, have strong connections between the left prefrontal cortex and the um, amygdala. I can't. It's A M Y G D A L A E. Can you pronounce that? Where is that? What paragraph is that? I know the word, but I, can't, I have to see it. It's like the thing at the back of your head. It's like yeah, not right. hypothalamus. It's the Amangala or something. Yeah, like Amangala. They don't know oh, anything. Shit, this is too much science for us. We're gonna, um, yeah, but, but, but it, the, it, it, it kind of, you're right, though. It's kind of encouraging because you can see that you can have control over the right things. Uh, you can't control what comes from your karma, you know, and then what you can control is how you respond to it. We keep saying that. And I know it's true. Like somebody said to me two days ago, and I'm not going to reveal any names about anything, about someone else oh, please. who had said that he didn't like me and that he would not listen to the podcast ever because he doesn't like me. And, God. okay, 20 years ago, I would have gone into such a rant about him because I have certain things to say about him. But um, I don't really know him, and I'm sure he's a wonderful person. There's some reason why this, this is going on. It didn't take me very long, but I'll tell you this much. I thought about it at least 20 times in the next 24 hours. <laughs> in other words, it came back. Oh, he doesn't like me. Why doesn't he like me? Why did I do something wrong? Oh, my God. Am I really a fuck-up person? Oh, is my drilling really terrible? Oh, should I just... <laughs> you know, what? all that stuff. But at this time, I, I knew how to deal with it each time. Because, you know, it's almost like quantitative. How much this stuff takes you over. To reduce it in any way is not a bad thing. In other words, if you're reducing the reactivity and, the, not, as he says... You, the ability to, to take a setback, not just that someone doesn't like you, but that you get fired from a job or your partner says, I'm splitting up with you or your, your mother says that she's very ill. Um, the, he's saying in this, my goodness, uh, you know, there is a way, and she's saying it too, uh, of reducing that anxiety, stress, and therefore the toll upon your Oh, you know, your whole life and, and not being able to reach the soul level because you're so obsessed with the I mean mind level. So, you know, and if scientists are saying this is good, it's a way of communicating with a certain group of people who will not listen to us if we start talking about, you know, um, you know, a, a guru's darshan, being able to remove these these things at least temporarily and, and, and remind you of your true self. That may not work on 90% of the population, and we know it doesn't. So, um, I mean, the other night I found myself in the company of an atheist. and um, <laughs> Oh, my God. And he really was, you know, and, 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 he was, and it made me a bit crazy, you know, because I decided not to talk to him about anything that would bring up, oh, you don't believe that bullshit, do you? I didn't want to do it, it's too, I, you know. But, you know... I didn't react as bad as I used to. That's what I'm saying. And you think you're angry. Well, not really. I mean, you get angry with yourself. At least you admit it. You're not that angry and angered at and raging at other people, which is something you might have been at one time, but at least you, in my experience, which is pretty uh, uh, long of you, uh, you don't rage at people. So what about the people who rage at people? You know, um, They've got to start somewhere. And maybe it would be good if they doctor said to them, therapist, uh, your thoughts control your emotions. Think this. 
instead of that. And maybe uh, the emotions will just parallel, relax. But actually, just that's right there is a good point. And it goes back to what, what the actual practice is. So you have this emotion and you're super angry. You can move to that witness place, which is a thought. So you're having, you have a thought that cuts down the emotion, at least to the point where you can actually take a breath and you just cut back. Right. Um, and, and, and if you, you know, that non-judgmental witness that the objectivity, the disinterested, uh, which is coming from a deeper place, obviously not coming from your mind, but through the mind, you have that thought, and then you back away. So you're able to actually change uh, the direction of the force of the emotion using a thought. So that's a very, very practical um, methodology, I think important uh, for everybody. Um, so th- this the article kind of, what are the limits of neuroplasticity? The honest answer is we don't know. Uh, when neuroscientists in the past scoffed at the power of the brain to change in meaningful ways, such as to remap the cortex in order to restore mobility after a stroke, they were often proved wrong. One study, study even shows that the brain is plastic enough to change in response to cognitive demands that are as new to evolution as the industrial suit that caused moths to evolve gray wing scales. Wow. Earlier this year, scientists at Stanford pinpointed the anatomical coordinates of a brain region a mere one-fifth of an inch across that handles the sight of numerals. Yes, the brain has specialized real estate to process, process the likes of 5 and 24. Since no one is born with an innate ability to recognize numerals, uh, said the Stanford neuroscientist. It's a dramatic demonstration of our brain circuitry's capacity to change in response to education and culture. Well, this goes full circle. I mean, this is this gives real hope, right? This goes full circle to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast about the horror through history uh, and deprivation through genocide and... Um, you know, keeping people in in bondage and so on and so forth. We actually, so, you know, if we can uh, start to change through neuroplasticity, which means through practice, um, and we can share that, and the more of that that we do, it gives a little bit of hope, especially for people for all of us who at times, you know, just watching too much news or any news and becoming depressed, it gives a little hope that if we do some of this work ourselves, we have a chance to change our innards and we have then that to share with people, to share with people, to share with people. And in the big picture that, uh, I mean, this is His Holiness, His whole uh, premise that Going forward, we have no choice but to take that path, you know, of of kindness and compassion and love and so on. And this is this is actual, an actual way in which a, in in which we can engage with ourselves to change. And um, and a lot of people, you know, want to hear this through a a scientific filter, 
So I think that's a you know a really a great thing, and what what His Holiness is doing is is incredible. That's why I want to have Danny Goldman on because he knows all about all this stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh, we, we we'll, just, yeah, we'll yeah. catch him and and do this. Um, you know, just that we should say that Sharon yeah. Begley is the senior health and science correspondent at Reuters, not to be sniffed at. Author of Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain, and co-author with Richard Davison. Mm. of the emotional life of your brain. Okay, mm -hmm. so there you got it. Sharon Begley and Richard Davidson. And um, check out Amazon and... and get the book there. Get, well, get the books if you want to motivate yourself this way, if you're interested in this, if it fascinates you. Uh, go via our portal because we, we're, we're going to be much more uh, assiduous now about promoting this because we want to continue doing these things. And it really does help, so do that. Anyway, that's a great article, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, this is wonderful. just an article from, uh, where is it? The Times? Mindful. Mindful. Oh, from Mindful. I'm, sorry. I'm not mindful. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'm switching gears. I want to turn you on. Ah. This is our segment, Turn On Dave. <laughs> okay. I'm going to play a track, everybody, and we're not going to say nothing about it. And then we're, we'll let you know what it is after. Here we go. You reckon hell who leave me out When me you fly, I am the wings
dangerous road. Every pitfall, every error, every stare to which every man has been liable since the beginning, you are sure to meet on the road to the Western land. Glimpses from the land of the dead, flashes of serene 
timeless joy. A joy as old as suffering and despair. this in a long time. I came across it. David and I were involved with Burroughs uh, at one point through the record company. Uh, this is called Seven Souls and uh, The Road to the Western Lands. And it's Burroughs with a band called Material that was uh, a band of uh, led by or is basically Bill Laswell, a well-known producer. Bill's still producing these days, I believe. And uh, this is just, uh, I mean, the, there's some, I mean, he's an incredible poet, Burroughs. Uh, I don't, any, his most famous book is Naked Lunch, and he was part of the whole beat generation. And um, I love him because <laughs> there's one, he's in a movie um, called Drugstore Cowboy. He, he was actually, you know, he did sort of character roles in different movies. And in this movie with Matt Dillon, it's about a bunch of uh, uh, people completely hooked, you know, drug addicts with pharmaceuticals. And they'd go into drugstores and rob the pharmaceuticals and so on and so on and get into all sorts of troubles. At one point, Matt Dillon decides he wants to get clean. So he goes to a rehab place and uh, and with all of his drugs and uh and Burroughs is there, and he's his name is Father Bill, and he gets together with Father Bill in the room, and he sa- and he dumps all of the all of the pharmaceuticals <laughs> on the bed, and said, Father, I'm I am letting go now, and you know I'm coming clean, so I'm going to give you everything, and and Bill starts to, and Burroughs starts to go through. And he's tossing. This is this is for amateurs. This is bullshit. Left and right until finally he comes to this. Then he goes delouded. Now that's the shit. <laughs> the best <laughs> drug in the entire universe. And uh, he's just incredible. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, well, you can get Naked Lunch on Amazon, and you can also get Material Seven Souls. Uh, on that, what we just played for you, that's also available. And very inexpensively, it's like eight bucks or something. Naked Lunch is a, a very, very well-known paperback, so I'm sure you can get it for almost nothing or Kindle it. Uh, you know, Burroughs is interesting. He was born uh, from a very wealthy family. The Burroughs adding machine, which practically every adding machine in the world was a Burroughs adding machine. And he grew up in that atmosphere. And then just went and he became friends with, he was from Lawrence, Kansas. Became friends with Ginsburg and Kerouac and all of those people. And was the inspiration for a lot of them. And his cut-up style and his, and by that I don't mean humor, but just the way he write and then cut the pieces up and put them together in any old random order uh, affected uh, John Lennon and Bob Dylan amongst other people very much and he was a, an all-round sort of genius innovator 
Well, with a checkered life, you know, he uh, actually uh, <laughs> killed his second wife, um, but he was um, acquitted because it was ac accidentally he shot her. Um, she was called Joan Vollmer in 1951. And he went on to live... Um, well, wait, how did he shoot her? He, he would put an apple on her head. And was it was something her. like that, yeah. It was <laughs> he that. shot her in the head. Like William Teller. Not which, funny. Anyway, you know, he was convicted of manslaughter, but he, he got off. And then he went on to live to be 83. But he was no murderer. Anybody who met him, uh, I didn't know him, but I met him twice. And um, he was a, a kind of a gentle soul, really. But he was extremely in his own world, but very... Life knowledgeable about Eastern philosophy and particularly Egyptian. Lifelong stuff. junkie, right? Yeah. 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 But, you, you know, when you talk about influence, you know, Lenin and Dylan, just, listen, you know, this one line can tell you so much. The day's easy passage may be tomorrow's death trap. <laughs> I mean, that's just terrific. Or uh, yeah. bodies of boat you know, to reach the other shore, it's full of holes. Uh, you can sell it if you can find a fool. <laughs> I mean, just terrific stuff. So um, I just thought you'd enjoy that. And, that, you know, we put that out, Fantastic. Dave and I, through uh, Triloka Mercury uh, when we were doing that label. And uh, that, it, it was a well, um, it was a critic's darling if it did not sell. A lot of albums uh, but it's there and as Dave said pick it up because it is so unique it's amazing Absolutely yeah and it's very trance-like you know it kind of gets you in this state and I'm not saying it's the highest state well, who knows but it, it every time I listen to it I don't listen to it that often but I did listen to it fairly recently it was just it's just beautiful I mean it's there's a beautiful feel about it oh and I mentioned to Rago on, on the phone recently that um, an episode of The Sopranos which was particularly good in music choices whether you like the sopranos or not i did and the music on it was always the greatest i mean they knew the kinks and people like that and and then one day on one of them of the sopranos and i don't know which one it is unfortunately that they, they used this uh western lands uh Burroughs piece pretty much all the way through the show they kept coming in and out of it and it added an atmosphere to that show uh making it uh, actually i think tony soprano was having a spiritual revelation via a hospital visit or something and this is what he was seeing uh his soul journeying out mm -hmm. of this you know out of being a mobster to being something he didn't know what it would be and very well done mm. uh you know but thanks that's great wow william burroughs where you know um try and get that on amazon and um don't forget audible if you want a, a free book you get a free choice for a month if uh, you go on audible.com and we get something from that, that hasn't been happening at all. So none of you obviously are getting audiobooks, which I don't want to get too heavy with you with. Some people don't like to use them, uh, but they're the best company. Audible's got great stuff. Amazon's got everything in the world. So, I mean, if there's a component of a fridge that you need, get it there. <laughs> you know, uh, if you want a, 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 I have a story. visits from Swedish masseuses. All right, well, that's going there. too far. I have a, a although... Um, in your case, it's real cool. one. Um, I, I have a story about that because uh, my dog chewed up my uh, cable that went from my digital recorder to my computer and it had a, and I couldn't get one. No store has it at all. I went on Amazon and I went through mindrollingpodcast.com and I because I, I already have and I have it bookmarked and I actually just got it today. 
I am so happy. They have every... You're right. That was a component that I couldn't find anywhere. All right, listen, it's enough craziness. You all help us, support us, because we do want to keep this thing going. We really do. Uh, And um, at the same time, Dave, we're at the end of our show for today. And I want to thank everybody. You know, we we are happy for this uh, mind-rolling community. And we're making leaps and bounds, by the way, with our uh, MindPod network. Uh, We're going to get all of our low-hanging fruit friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and we're going to start um, we're going to tell you all about that and where to go and we're putting all designing it all and putting it together and so uh, that's going to be a fun thing so until uh, let us bid adieu until we see you uh, next time on Mind Rolling Podcast go to mindrollingpodcast.com tell your friends please get more people liking us on Facebook so we can spread the word And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, Dave. Bye-bye.